My Michelle Live podcast. My, 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 my Michelle Live. My Michelle Live. Sports timeout. The fans, the field, the faith, the fun. Here's Michelle. Hey, not just Michelle. I am surrounded by a grand cloud of witnesses here. We have a whole host of my friends joining me. I'm going to introduce you to the team as we talk about some of the big sports stories this week. So much to get excited about. Even caught a game this week with one of our panelists, and it was glorious. It was an NHL game, and it almost felt like watching a Stanley Cup. The crowd was so excited. We'll get into that and so much more. Let me introduce introduce you to my friends on the panel this sports time out weekend we have brent author baker. photographer brent r baker we have with us an all-around great guy garrick Pang. get ready to get is right now he is a coach he is a chaplain he's a pastor and he is a friend we have with us the coach with the mostest coach e get coached good coach can change the game a great coach can change a life coach me can change a life and there's been a lot of lives touched by coachy i'll tell you mine included and our own wookie of the year joshua mcmillan wookie of the year josh mcmillan i just said that guys it's time for sports 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 this is where they get a little crazy no this is where they start getting a little crazy to be honest all right, we here we go. That, what a week. I want to start <laughs> off with the NFL playoffs. Talk about, talk about Moneyball. I talk about a crazy, crazy weekend and a lot of good football. Um, anything that was great, the, the good points. We'll get to some of the weird stuff in a minute, but do you guys have any of the, oh, wow, that was great things you want to take on first? Uh, this is always the, the best weekend of the NFL playoffs for me. Usually okay. this divisional round is when you, you get, well, first of all, you wait, get, wait, 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 before we get to the divisional round, let's, yeah. let's talk about next last week. I want to get oh. to last before we get to this week. Cause I think we the all Cowboys agree. melting down and just the whole thing around that. Okay. Was, anything was, good was, though? Was any glorious. good highlights other than the meltdowns and the weird stuff? Anything oh, good, 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 good highlights. Uh, how about the bills? Perfect game perfect offensive game against the Patriots. I mean, they, they, they scored on every drive okay. until the kneel down at the end of the game. And to do that against the bill Belichick defense in the playoffs. Um, you know, I, I mean, most of my hate for Belichick is the sports hate. Uh, <laughs> but you know, they don't, the, the Patriots do not melt down like that in the playoffs and for the bills to play like that, especially after what, just over a month ago, they got bullied in that game. Um, when Mac Jones only threw three passes and the, the Patriots came in and just ran them to death. Um, what a turnaround. I mean, it was, it was a clinic. It was just fun to watch that level of offensive efficiency. Yeah. I think you're right. You calling it a perfect game. Coach E. Uh, I really enjoyed watching that Bengals uh, Raiders game. Joe Burrow, man, that guy is good. Like I remember watching him at LSU and then last year's season was cut short with the knee injury. 
but he just came out there in that opening drive and just was like boom 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 and acted like it was no big deal and then after the game they asked him about it and he said well that's the standard we're supposed to be in the playoffs and it's like it, it didn't it's like it didn't even register in his brain that it was the first time the Bengals had actually won a playoff oh. game in 31 years <laughs> yeah. and it's just yeah. he just he, and, and as one of my friends told me who's a huge Browns fan he said it kind of bums me out that Joe Burrow's a Bengal because he's really good and he's really likable and I go yeah that exactly he's he's all those things and I and uh, I was pleasantly surprised by that game and then kind of let down by the rest of the games in terms of quality. But other than that Cowboys game, but I really enjoyed that Bengals game. That was fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'll say for, in my lifetime, I have seen the Bengals now win as many playoff games as I've seen Tim Tebow. You don't even remember We have been alluding to it, but we've got to talk about the Cowboys game and those final nine seconds. Let's just watch for those who have this missed This is scary because I would take a shot to the end zone here when they're in the sideline defense because you actually can hold on to the ball. You need someone, San Francisco, to get to the quarterback here. Prescott what takes off doing? running the football. Whoa, well, I don't think this is going to work Man. out. It will. They'll be on the clock. This they were playing for it. It's Four. down, down. Hand it to the ref. Oh, my gosh. Oh, the, the it's over. Oh, the game is over. Oh, he did. What? Seriously? <laughs> okay, we've got to talk about that. Come flipping on. Well, it's especially disappointing given, like, if you look at this, how the, the 49ers lined up, too. They lined up, all of their backs were right on the sideline. You know, the middle of the field was just wide open. They had guys that were streaking downfield that were, that were wide open. I'm sure they had people over the top that were further back. But, like, they, were, they wanted them to throw it in the middle. And they could have and gotten a lot more yards that way. Uh, and probably would have gotten a ref down there a little bit faster, too. Uh, it, it was just, and if they don't, then they, you know, they stop the clock with the miss, you know, what's, what's yeah. the worst that can happen? Everyone's there? talking yeah, though can... about these last nine seconds, but what about giving up 169 yards rushing and, uh, five sacks, right? I mean, or well, it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't just one mistake, but that yeah. last place sort of <clears throat> was the way the Cowboys had operated through that whole yeah. game. It was mistake after mistake after mistake, whether it be the obvious things, or, or yeah, just the inability uh, to stop the 49ers run. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo is not, he's, he's not your big playmaking. He's not Joe Burrow, right? He's not Josh Allen. He's, he's a game manager. So if you need to force him to beat you. Instead, they got run over, physically dominated. Um, well, and then, yeah, that, that, that whole 20, thing at the end, the whole thing 20, at the end. Go ahead, Gary. 23-7, you know, in the fourth quarter and nearly lose. I mean, I mean, talk about game management. That, that was really poor by the Niners. Yeah, and I don't mean to to get away from that controversy. I mean, like, Coach E, what do you think about that last nine seconds? I, I mean, mean, was it real? Did, should the refs have turned back the clock and say, hey, wait a minute? I mean, what should have happened there? There's two things. Uh, first, in terms of that fourth quarter collapse by the Niners and almost letting them back in. When your star defensive end, Dick Bosa, and your number and your up and coming Bobby Wagner, Fred Warner, are not on the field the whole entire fourth quarter, they started getting gashed. And in the first two quarters, they were destroying the Cowboys' offensive line. So when those two went out, I automatically knew, all right, if they're going to make a comeback, now's the time. That last nine seconds, though, 
calling a, a quarterback keeper. I it's like it was like you're not going to the chances of the ref getting the ball back to you. And I understand that they said that he didn't realize the ref had to hand him the ball. I, I don't it still just you're professional. You, know, you should know, know that. that it's just Come a bad. On. It's like, you got to realize that. I mean, from, and if the offensive coordinator, Kellen Moore is calling that play, which he did. And it goes through Mike McCarthy's headset, which he said he did. And then he had to agree to it. And then it goes to Dak's headset. Like, Somebody, those three guys are like paid and they've been in the NFL a while. They should know, wait a minute. We have nine seconds left. We run the ball. We're already on first down. Let's just throw it three times. I mean, literally, I don't know what they were thinking. That was a, like a, a terrible, terrible play call. But it's easy, opinion. Josh, to just go ahead and, and blame the refs, right? Uh, no, I yeah, think, I mean, no, it, I would, it is easy to blame the refs, sure, but... You know, and it, it's they were put in a bad position by a bad play call. Like, <laughs> if you're a Cowboys fan, you're obviously blaming the refs, right? Oh, and the rest to of the us, point, like, did you? I mean, the, the big controversy afterwards were the fans throwing. I mean, they're literally throwing stuff, hitting players, uh, throwing things uh, apparently at the refs, right? And the crazy yeah. thing about that is that uh, Dak was in the press conference afterwards and he's like he's totally blaming (laughs) well okay let's just set this up right so he's in the press conference afterwards he was asked if uh you know about fans throwing things he's like yeah that's just it's just bad we go out there we work hard every day and that's just disrespectful well I think they were throwing at the refs Oh, yeah, that's okay. (laughs) Yeah, that was good. I don't blame them. Um, And the funny thing, he literally said that it's a credit to them, credit to them. And then he said, just to make sure that you meant that. Yeah, I mean, if they were, if they weren't at us, and if the fans felt the same way as us, then go ahead, throw stuff. That was not the best thing to say. Decidedly not at the refs. I mean, you saw players blocking things with their helmets in that clip. It was it was not at the refs, and I don't know that that's one of the more classless things you've seen. That that puts the Cowboys fans who already didn't hold a lot of Cowboys fans in super high regard, uh, but puts them down at the bottom tier. I mean, I, it's been a while since I've seen the Bengals fan base in a whole a whole lot, but I just remember <laughs> a couple of years ago they lost a playoff game with Andy Dalton at the helm to the Steelers. And one of the Steelers had like a broken leg, some awful injury, and the Bengals were fans were cheering. So that, yeah, that puts them in the basement with people like that. Uh, as worse, or like worse that time, group. that time that one 49ers defensive, uh, the linebacker got injured in the NFC Championship game, and all the Seahawks fans threw popcorn on him in the end at the end corner thing. Thank you. Those yeah. fans. Not okay. Not okay. Prescott apologized for the remarks on on Tuesday, by the way, Um, after the NBA uh, Players uh, Referees Association issued a statement. Um, But 
here's an here's a side the note. NBA, uh, the uh, NBA refs got mad at him. Yeah, yeah, right. No, no kidding. I'm not. I, that was not a misstep on my part. I'm I'm not kidding. But here's another story that goes along those lines to add to our discussion today. A soccer fans who yell homophobic homophobic slurs will be banned from games in Mexico. So uh, this is this is a real story. It came out on Monday. The Mexican Football Federation um, is going to ban fans for five years if you're out there yelling slurs. I mean, that, if you want to give an award, Josh, to some of the most disgusting fans <laughs> that, you know, you hear a lot of bad things and you see you know, things being thrown can, full cans of beer. You know, it's happened. It, it happened in Portland um, during the during the cup. So not not cool. But here's a side note on that. Fans in Mexico will have to register while buying a ticket, present a QR code code and identification upon stadium entry. So you might have to get, you know, the mark of the beast on the right hand or forehead if you want to see a match in the future. Let's take all let's take all these things on. You know, fans, people are behaving nasty all over the country. It's not just fans. It's everywhere. Um, some are blaming it on we're rebreathing our air and it's messing with our with its mass. It's messing with our brains. I don't know what's going on, Kochi. Wow, you know, I, I, I've, I've come to notice the last two years during the, the worldwide pandemic and such that a lot of people um, really forgotten how to act, how to, how to, how to conversate, how to communicate in person, how to do those things. So it's like, especially when it comes to even like sports fans and things like that, it's like what it was before. It's like in some levels, it's gone like up a notch, like, and. And some of it's good and some of it's bad. And like when I see some of the things like, like, for example, what's going to happen in Mexico where they're having people like if they would have said four years ago that they would have to register that information, people would have been like, no, we're not doing it. But now with the pandemic stuff, it's like, oh, yeah, OK, well, we'll sure. No big deal. It's like oh. things like that are like much more common now. And in reality, it's on the fan base to fix that. Like, for example, at the sounders matches they used to have some chance that uh weren't exactly the greatest and then they just came out and said hey guys we're not going to do that anymore and then they stopped doing it it's for a like, little while for a little while they're you know they they still do it just not officially uh it's hard for or to me one of the one of the most disgusting things that uh, here in Seattle our Sounders fans do from the uh, supporter section is when the other team comes on the field, they turn their backs and stick up their middle fingers. You know, that's not sportsmanship. Uh, gone are sometimes the times where someone from the other team gets an injury and people stand up and clap when they walk off the field. Or when the opposing team comes on, you're clapping and saying, hey, welcome, let's, let's do this thing. I think those days are, are, are dead for right now, Josh. Go ahead. If you had something to say, Derek, yeah, I, you want I, to jump I, on I, I really feel like, I mean, sports has always been kind of a microcosm of the rest of the world, you know, and what's happening. True, in the world. true, and, and true. So, you know, I mean, you look at Seattle and the fact that, you know, you can literally go into the store and steal things and people cannot do anything about it. <laughs> So there's just a disregard for laws. There's a disregard for common decorum. There's there, 
because of the world becoming so polarized over politics, there's just a lack of respect in general. And so I just feel like it has bled over into sports and fans are feeling that way. And so it, <clears throat> it, it it's just really sad and, and quite disgusting. But yet we do have some tolerance issues where uh, like this story, for example, I'll put on the screen where the NFL just fined Bruce Arian for striking a player during this last weekend's game against the Eagles. He, he said he was trying to make certain that Andrew Adams wouldn't be penalized for pulling an Eagles player off the pileup of players at the end of the play. Um, so he's been fined. That's bad behavior. And they're saying, hey, we won't tolerate that. He's going to appeal it. And he says, hey, you know, he, I, I don't know. I got the impression it was kind of like going up to a player and going, hey, hey, you know, you can't do this. You know, getting someone's attention. He's wearing a helmet. Shouldn't he be protected? The University of Washington head coach got fired for it. Yeah. Yep. So I don't know, guys. I mean, what What's up with that? What, what do you think about that? I, I feel like that's in the run of play to me anyway. I mean, you, you have to look at overall how the coach is. And and I, I don't know. I just think stuff like that. That that to me is is a bridge too far. I, I believe Well if that it's a, if he's hitting a helmet versus, you know, you're I, a soccer player and he bashes you against the head. I don't know. Players okay. And, and I I don't know. I've been a coach, I've been at the collegiate level, I've i and and you and I you, don't think that I don't think that And that you bitch slap your level. your players. <laughs> <laughs> He's my pastor know. too. You should see. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. I'm not going there. No, no, it's okay. You should hear me on the soccer field. <laughs> I have. <laughs> I, get, I get intense in games, and and I think that's okay. And and the point is, is that you have to look at what's going on around and see the big picture. I think we've gotten so desensitized or overly sensitive on on so many things that so okay both, so actually. wait so it's both that's exactly. what we're hearing we're You're overly right, right. sensitized on one end and the other end uh you know we we're just we have no decorum yeah. so yeah. anyone what, what do you guys anyone else want to weigh I in mean, here it's it's hard because you don't want to take the, that competitiveness that edge out of sports you know part of the fun of sports is being able to get some of that that aggression out you know, like we can't, we are not, we're not made with the idea of we're all going to just be perfect all the time, 24 seven. You know what I mean? Like we're, we're not built that way to not have those emotions of, of aggression and competitiveness. Right. Okay. And sports is built as something where we're supposed to be able to get some of that out in, in a safe place, in a controlled manner. And so there's kind of a, there's a line you got to walk with that right? Like you have to kind of think like, how, how can we still have fun, have a good, safe environment, but also let, let people play the game, you know, let people be out there and yeah, and, it's called you know, self-control with each other. Something that we've forgotten about, but Kochi... right, but, but it's not just self-control now because okay, right now it's, it's also like it's media control, right? It's not okay. just us self-regulating. It's what does the rest of the world watching this think of it? Okay. Kochi, you've played pretty much every sport known to man and some that we haven't even discovered yet. So <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a true story. I've, so, so I kind of was. I've had, I've had lots of different coaches. I've had coaches that were 
very, very upbeat and positive and, you know, kind of like that Pete Carroll mindset, mindset. I've had coaches that would, you know, grab you by the face mask, by the jersey and just like just scream and, and, and yell every profanity known, you know. I've seen it and I've seen success with both coaching styles. I remember watching like, you know, Bobby Knight, different things like, so I've seen the different coaching and I've read a lot of different books by these coaches talking about their coaching styles. When I see things like that, like uh, the, the Jimmy Lake incident or what I, um, Bruce Arians did, some of those legendary coaches aren't, doing that like they're grabbing their their player their you know their yank if he said he was trying to get the guy off the pile to stop the penalty he could have easily grab you know yanked him back or something like that it's like anytime i see a coach or in fact a player cross the boundary of the sport that they're doing so like if two nfl players rip their helmets off and start throwing punches at each other i don't you know that's it's not there's not a side penalty for that. Like in hockey, it's, that's just not something you do. And for a coach who's not physically playing the sport, but is supposed to be the leader of these young men and women and whatever sports they're doing to physically get involved in that manner in any sport that they're in. I think that's crossing a line that doesn't need to be crossed because you're not going to be able to continue to reach your athlete. If you, show other athletes yeah you cross that line i'm gonna hit you in the head or i'm gonna you know it's like you can do other things i mean back again look at like bobby he he literally chucked a chair across the basketball court in the middle of the game he wasn't you know he didn't like go up start punching his players and yeah he did other crazy things too but my point is is i think that striking a player even if you're a player you're crossing a line. So now with these fines, it, it kind of is setting a precedent to say, okay, we've got to have some kind of restraint here. Yeah, and, and I can see that. I, I think that there's a lot of physicality that happens and you have relationships and, you know, a little gib slap. I don't know. You know, maybe that's between, between player coach kind of thing. But I can see your point that there needs to be at least a line of, we need to get back to some kind of civility. Now, something I want to get back to as well is uh, the exciting part of this week's discussion with you guys, and that's uh, the division round. Eight teams are going to battle it out this weekend uh, in the second round of these playoffs, and I'm really excited about it. Um, We have three Super Bowl winning quarterbacks um, heading into this weekend, if I'm not right. You already mentioned, guys, we've already talked about it's been 31 years since the Bengals have been to a conference game. So it's kind of exciting. I'm I'm pretty excited. So I want to take that on. I'm even going to give you right off the bat my picks. Here's me. Titans over Bengals. Bucks over Rams. Chiefs over Bills. And Packers over 49ers. Anyone else? Go ahead. Go, go I'm ahead. taking. I'm, I'm. 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 I feel like we're on the other side of the t- of the table here, Michelle. I'm taking the Bengals <laughs> over the Tennessee Titans. Okay. I'm taking the Buffalo Bills over the Kansas City Chiefs. Wow. I'm taking the San 
Santa Clara 49ers over the Green Bay Packers. No, not no, for no. any statistical reason, just because I like chaos. And uh, <laughs> in the, and in the final game, I'm taking Tampa Bay by five billion over the Rams because I will never be that fan that claps when the Rams come in to Seattle ever <laughs> and i want them to lose every single game possible and if that means i have to root for tom brady i will get oh, tom brady pom-poms out and i will root for him <laughs> to score a billion points and i, I understand that the rams did you know ask for some special referee help so they've got hockey lee the guy that ref the rams game the one that didn't call that pass interference with the seahawks <laughs> in that one game they got their favorite ref ref in the game and uh, apparently home teams are 5-11 and 11 when he referees. Wow. So I wouldn't be surprised. He's also the one that called that Saints play that the Rams benefited from. But I'm taking, I'm taking the, uh, the Bucks to, to end Los Angeles' run. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's the Did one we agree on. Did anyone else just have an awful, awful day trying to root for the Cardinals? Like, <laughs> Yes. <laughs> it's hard rooting for the Cardinals on a good day because I, I don't like them. <laughs> at all uh but then having to watch like root for them in that game against the rams where they were just completely like inept like oh my gosh what a what a bad day for seattle fans yeah. <laughs> i like the kraken won that game yeah, that was the same they needed to otherwise the the city would have just shut down from depression or something that was <laughs> awful it, one thing I, I, I may have mentioned this before but man Watching I get watching Kyler Murray, one thing we don't talk enough about with Russell Wilson is how much of a leader he is. I mean, I know I have problems with him and him not taking responsibility when things are going bad and just kind of brushing it off. But at least when things go wrong on the field, he doesn't pull a Kyler Murray and is just defeated. His body language oh. after every play is awful anytime there's not a completion it's like you know it's this pouting and this like shoulders down That's and true. man that affects your team i mean I, I know we've all here played on teams when you have a team especially that's in a leader position someone that's in that leader position and they start showing that kind of a, a body language that that rubs off on everyone that makes it really hard to to pick it up and like you know someone else needs to bring a spark or something to fix that. Hey, Josh, what, what do you think though, of the new uh, reports that uh, Russ is kind of looking, exploring his options, more of the same. <laughs> it's, 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 <laughs> as Donald it, Trump forget, would say, fake forget news. It. Coach Eastface <laughs> says it all. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a giant nothing burger. Okay. First of all, what are his options? His options are he's under contract for two years and he has a five total years of club control. If you include the franchise tag they could put on him, he's not, he's not going anywhere. I mean, what is he going to sit out a season or, or two seasons to, to try to get traded? No, he even said he wants to be in Seattle, that he likes it here. He wants to be here. He ended the year talking about that. He's not, he's not leaving. Okay. This is just, it's a lot of stuff well, drummed rested. up by he's partially the, the media Sanders. and partially Mark Rogers freaking camp. The like, can't, I am so done with Mark Rogers and his drama. Like, and it's not that I don't like Russ. I love Russ. I got in a debate with someone on Twitter about this. And it, it, the, like, I was like, this obviously came from Mark Rogers camp. This is right out of his playbook. This is the exact same thing he's done over and over. And he's like, well, they tried to call Mark Rogers and he didn't answer. So it obviously wasn't from him. You and your Russ haters can leave. And I'm like, what? 
who said anything about hating Russ? He just has an agent from hell that like would rather stir up drama than have a good discussion about things. So yeah, I'm, it's all dumb. I'm not engaging with it anymore. And if you want to argue with Josh about it, you can go to Josh reports live on Twitter and he will gladly argue with you all day long. Elston, what did you, what say you? I was just going to echo the same things. I'm like, he's under, he's under contract for the next two years. And unless nothing burger, like, I mean, I kind of, I kind of, I think of the, um, I think of the rust trade rumors, kind of like the Mariner playoff hopes. Like I'll believe it when I see it. I'm a trained Mariners fan. And look, when, when I see them scheduled for a playoff game, I'll believe it. When Russell's actually getting traded, I'll believe it. Okay, there Until you go. then, I am, I am, I am, COVID fatigued. Russell Wilson trade talk out. Like anytime I hear it, I'm like such and such. No, no, I'm over it. I'm like, so here's over what, it. Here's what we should expect. We should expect to see more cheesy commercials with him and his wife that look really creepy and disturbing. <laughs> that I can guarantee. That's not a rumor. That's actually going to happen. Like the latest one. Look it up, Michelle. You'll, 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 it's, it's weird. It's Wait, really okay. Weird. Tell me about it. What is it? What, what am I looking It's like for? she's selling like some perfume and Russ is like sniffing her arm and her leg and her head and stuff. It's really weird. <laughs> that sounds like vintage Russ. He's gotten a little too disconnected from reality. Yeah. I mean, I, I want Tommy Bahama Russell Wilson back. Yes! That's who I want. Oh, back. no. Come on. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm, I hope cool. he's happy in his, in his marriage. I, you know, he has darling little kids, but something happened after he said, I do that has done him and he is not the same all, all the way around uh, you know I still love I like off yeah. the field is when he's at children's hospital yeah. there you go <laughs> That's the guy. That's the guy. He'll get back there. We all have those ebbs and flows in life. I'm not willing to throw away a, a good player or a good friend or, a, you know, when they do when they do this. And we all do. We all do. I don't, and I don't I, have Sierra moments, okay? Just, just. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let's head over to the Olympics, guys. Um, the Olympics around the corner. Here's something interesting. China's warring, warning foreign Olympic athletes against speaking out on politics this winter. In fact, it could come, look at this, it may, they may face punishment for speech that violates the law in the 2022 games. That's so crazy because that's a lot of what's been happening here in the U.S., right? We shut people down. We're canceling people. Aaron Rodgers, we're just talking NFL, you know, he's people say that he should be removed because of his views that he had on COVID, you know, not any people of consequences, consequence. So who cares? But now that China wants to do that to us people are saying what this is outrageous oh my gosh <laughs> what are they going to do infect us with a virus Ooh. Oh, <laughs> but, <I'm... laughs> but yeah they're saying that they may face uh, consequences if they if you know if they speak out on politics that they don't like so it's a, a little bit of our our a little hair of the dog i don't know a little bit of our own medicine so to speak another issue olympic athletes are advised to leave their cell phones at home because some of the biggest supporters or the the sponsors 
are um, are companies that specialize in data collection, surveillance, AI. So they're like, yeah, leave leave your cell phone at home, guys, because you may be spied on in your rooms. So there's some big issues there. And uh, there we are, you know, even and even some another interesting note is that there's some broadcasters that are backing out of of uh, going to China. And you would think it's because of human rights violations or maybe it's because of, uh, you know, some of these issues. You can't speak out, no freedom of speech. But no, it's because we're afraid, uh, even though China is is on complete lockdown. They're going because, well, yeah, the, we're, we're afraid of, of the virus. So that's crazy. And, and just to put it in perspective, uh, I know I'm doing a lot of talking here. I apologize. Just to put it in perspective, I'll see if How I can. How dare you talk on your podcast? <laughs> yeah, what are you thinking? What are you doing? Shut up. <laughs> you keep cutting Brent off. It's not cool. I know, right? Oh, that's the worst offense. That's the worst offense. This from the owners of the Golden State Warriors about how no one really cares about, you know, China and, you know, human rights violations and such that, you know, no one cares about that. Let's let's take a listen to that, because I just thought there, that was... there is an issue with being too honest because, <laughs> well, the NBA has made it clear that they don't. They just don't care. I was trying to find it. Uh, the, There's a yeah, lot of money in China. Here. There is a lot of money in China. Yep. That's why that's the NBA doesn't give a crap. Among the most effective- of course, we're going to have a, a COVID commercial first. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> How apropos, right? All right, guys. At any rate, uh, basically, you don't need to wait for me. The... Um, the uh, owner of the uh, Golden State Warriors was weighing in and he had some pretty callous remarks about, you know, people in China, uh, human rights violations, internment camps, things. He basically said, yeah, it's not even on my radar. No one cares. I care about important issues. Wow. There you go. Uh, in, in fairness, he, he's like a 10%. Uh, I mean, he's, he's not like the owner of the Warriors. He's one of Okay, He's true, a minority true. owner in their ownership group, and the rest of them have been very busily distancing themselves from <laughs> from what yeah. he said, which you know means about as much as the amount of money I've got in my hands so right now. So the, the point the point is is that he's saying that there's nothing to see here. Is is that? What he was getting. No, I think just, he's uh, just saying no one matter. cares. No one cares. He, said, he didn't. He didn't say that it didn't Nothing happen. He literally really said, matters. "I don't care." He said. I, he said he didn't <laughs> care about it. He cared about things that were going on in this country, and once those things are taken care of, then he might worry about the plight of some uh, of some minority group in another country. But it does matter when it's a big factor in how you're making money. It does matter when uh, you are complaining about human rights violations here, uh, but you turn a blind eye when you're wearing products that come from there. So, yeah, it kind of does matter. I don't know. Kochi? Yeah, I was just going to say in the corporate world, one thing I've learned about being a business owner and an entrepreneur and knowing a lot of people in different industries, it only matters to some people if it affects their bottom line. So if places in the U.S. were, you know, making tons of money for some of these people, but they had the same human rights issues, they wouldn't talk about it because they're afraid of it hitting their bottom dollar. And the ones that do talk about it, they're suddenly they're not minority owners and teams anymore they're not assistant gms and they're not gms they get replaced and they get moved out and so with 
China, the same thing, like, uh, for example, uh, LeBron James, you know, he's, he's very vocal and active on social media. And he says a lot of things about human rights and stuff all the time. Won't say one negative thing about China because of how much money he gets from them. True story. You're, you're trying to cloud what I'm saying about on this other topic. And the point is, is like, you can say both. You could say, I have this problem here in the US and I don't like seeing people have this happen. But that my, my point is, is that these athletes and owners and GMs and all those things, they're worried about their bottom dollar. And when it comes to China, there's a ton of money there and everybody wants to get into that market. They have one third of the population of planet Earth and they don't want to say anything wrong that's going to affect it. So and they become hypocrites. Morally, but if you... can, as you were saying, Michelle, that morally is wrong, but financially it's smart. Well, there's a ton of things that I really can't stand about Donald Trump. But one of the things that I felt like he did very well is that he actually stood up to China. And and now it's like the whole world is kowtowing to China. And the communist Chinese government, they're nothing but a bunch of bullies. And well, that's kind of how what we've turned want. into. So, you know, it's kind of par for the course, because if you disagree, you are absolutely denied. denied. Right. It's just how it goes. And here's an example. We're talking about the Olympics. Um, a few people have talked, uh, spoken out about. Um, a big issue for me as a woman. Uh, Michael Phelps uh, talks about trans athletes in women's sports and how he says there needs to be a level playing field. It, it needs to be a level playing field. It's just not really working. And people are uh, upset about that because there's been such strides for trans athletes. Uh, Caitlyn Jenner is probably the one that's come under the most fire, but what Caitlyn Jenner did say, I thought was very insightful as someone who's gotten things cut off and gotten things put on. And as a trans person, listen to this. And then I want to hear from you. Obviously this is about Leah Thomas, who has brought a lot of attention to, um, uh, to this issue. First of all, I respect her decision to live her life authentically, 100%. And, but it also comes with responsibility and some integrity. Uh, I don't know why she's doing this. She's, uh, for two reasons. One, it's not good for the trans community. I mean, we have a lot of issues in the trans community that are very difficult and very challenging. We have a suicide rate that's nine times higher than the general public. Um, we, uh, but it's also uh, not good uh, for women's sports. It's unfortunate that this is happening. Um, I don't know why she's doing it. She knows when she's swimming, she's beating the competition by two laps. She was born a biological boy. She was raised as a biological boy. Her cardiovascular system is bigger. Her respiratory system is bigger. Um, her hands are bigger. She can swim faster. That's a known. All of this woke world that we're living in right now is not working. So that is Caitlyn Jenner. Boys, take it away. I want to hear what you have to say. Well, I don't think anybody said it any better than um, the, well, former 
U.S. swimming official Cynthia Millen, who um, who resigned her position over this whole issue, um, when she said, basically said everything fair about swimming is being destroyed. If uh, oh, that's not the quote um, that I wanted. Um, Oh, swimming is a sport in which bodies compete against bodies. Identities do not compete against identities. Ooh. In the very beginning, when you start out as an age grouper, swimmers are divided by sex and by age group, eight and under, nine, ten, et cetera, all the way up. Because from the very beginning, this is just accentuated when boys and girls go through puberty. Um, boys will always have larger lung capacity, larger hearts, greater circulation, bigger skeleton, less fat. Girls go through puberty and they have the double whammy. Uh, and she goes on to to talk about all you know the, the different things that um, make it a different playing field. So, um, but that quote that you know bodies compete against bodies, not identities against identities. It really doesn't matter what you feel like. Your musculature, your skeletal system, all that stuff is what it is, and you can take hormone treatments and alter it, but it's not going to all of a sudden completely change a man's body to a woman's body. It just and that doesn't, doesn't mean that, that so, well, like in Texas, nothing, nothing that was happening in the fifties and sixties where people were telling women that they couldn't play sports the same way men's did. Nothing about that is as damaging as what the continuation of transgender See, sports I, in I this agree. way will cause to women's It's been sports. hard won uh, for women to achieve what we have in sports. So I this th that whole issue is just heinous to me. Um, but what we're seeing is um, the idea that men, but men who were biologically men, can compete as women. Yeah, you know, I don't think trans people need to be taken out of sports just either have a different category or like texas is doing now uh, they've made it law that you have to compete whatever you were on your birth certificate well and i agree because it it is just i, I mean i think this statement that you read brent as well as what uh what caitlin jenner said and, and I, I agree with Phelps. I mean, he's saying it's equivalent to like doping. You don't allow doping because it gives you an unfair advantage. And this is clearly an unfair advantage. And it's been proven. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like it, that, it's, that it's analogy. Coach right. Josh. It, Josh? Well, yeah, and that, that's a big part of it, too, is they're, they're often taking hormone therapy. And oftentimes those hormones that they're taking are would be considered performance enhancers for anyone else that's not transgender taking them. No. Kochi? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I've been on your show for a few different years, and we've actually had this talk before. And I, and I, I think the bigger issue in, you know, having known a lot of trans athletes and worked with trans athletes is anytime you give somebody a competitive advantage, it makes the sport unfair or unsafe. Like I've seen mm. MMA, mm. I've seen swimming, I've seen different things. And yeah, I like that you bring I, up the unsafe I, issue. I believe big time that there needs to be an outlet for these athletes mm -hmm. to, to compete at a high level. And I think a lot of that has to do with, you know, in terms of the community and people being educated so that they're not that, you know, like he was saying about the suicide rates and things like that. But at a sport where things are divided so you know proficiently like that 
it's giving an unfair advantage. It's causing those imbalances. Like there's, you know, boxers are going in and, and crushing someone's orbital bone. You know, it's like, it's just things like that. It's, and it's, and until they create a way for the athletes to compete on a fair level, it's going to be a problem in any sport that this happens in. So, Poochie, what do they do? Do they have a separate it, category? No one wants to do anything about it. They just, you know, it's it's weird. Do they create a separate category for trans athletes, or do they uh, make you, like in Texas, compete uh, your birth certificate? I, I I think a separate category would be fine. Yeah. Because because okay. you know that it's like they're competing. They're competing, uh, you know, against other athletes and they don't have to, and it, it, they don't have to deal with the identity, identifying this or not identifying that. And it's just, the bigger issue is solving the problem. So everybody, I mean, having okay. like having more people do sports is not a negative thing. Like if there was there a, you go. a okay. category, yeah. I think it would be great. Then more people like, could, could compete. And if you're non-binary, if you identify level. as a, I don't know, cow, you can, you know, I don't know. It's gotten crazy they, out there, but go ahead. They have their own Olympics. You've got the Paralympics. You've got the Special Olympics. You can have the Trans Olympics, okay? Just, no, that's a possibility too. Okay, I'll, I'll take that under advisement as I make that decision, whatever. I'm just kidding. Okay, so uh, speaking of doping, uh, final final issue I wanted to get into. Maybe we can talk a little bit about March Madness. We're coming a, against the, the end of the show, though. Uh, Djokovic is probably the first person, the first athlete in human history to be banned and deported for not taking drugs. What the heck? <laughs> Come on, Josh. Yeah, this whole thing was kind of ridiculous because they even stated, and it was obviously political because they said that you're allowed to if you have medical exemption, which is why they let him in in the first place. And then they're like, well, we're actually under the spotlight for people now and people are expecting us to do something since we're actually a prison state. Um, so let's go ahead and kick him out, even though he has a medical exemption. Yeah, and, and this is, while. Well, Australia has their deadliest day of the pandemic, even with all of their draconian lockdowns, uh, concentration camps for the unvaxxed. So, you know, and in the same week that the, well, no, week before the UK has said, okay, we're just, all of those, uh, all of those measures, we're lifting all restrictions. So that's kind of crazy. Anyone else want to weigh in on this? Because I think it's a pretty sad day for tennis. I, I personally haven't always been a fan of Djokovic, but in this scenario, I was just like, I felt kind of bad for the whole thing. It's like you told him he could come compete if he had a medical exemption. But, you know, his sponsors, everybody paid the money for him and his dad and such to go there. He flies there. Then they tell him he can't. Then they tell him he can. And then they tell him he can't again. It's like, like, I feel like they just put on this dog and pony show to, to make some, you know, to try to make an example out of an athlete. And uh, if I were him, I'd just say, well, you know what? I'm never going to, I wouldn't compete in Australia ever again. I would just skip the Australian Open. I would just go to every other one. And he's, I mean, he's already won a ton of tennis matches before. So it's not like it's going to hurt his career, but that was really, 
really disrespectful. They could have told him at the beginning, hey, even if you have a medical exemption, we can't let you in. This is why. Instead, they did the whole back and forth thing. And I just thought that was just trash. Yeah, I, I didn't agree. like that. I agree. Uh, real quick, guys, as we go into, um, we're getting closer and closer to March Madness. This is my favorite time of the year for basketball because I really enjoy the college basketball fight outs. And some of last week were a lot of neck and neck games. Um we have uh, the first, the last four in Florida. You're cutting in and out a bunch. All right, I'll let you guys. I don't know. I got a wonky connection right now. Sorry. Give it a second. Take on basketball <laughs> no until I until I find myself. <laughs> All right, well, who wants to who wants to jump in on March Madness? I don't know. I'm I'm not super excited about it right now because none of my teams are have been doing particularly I'm, well I'm, lately. So I'm excited. Someone else take but- me out of the depression. I'm excited, but my team doesn't play anybody until March that madness again. So, I mean, I'm a Zags fan. So, hey, I, that 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 um, performance against San Francisco, you know, I mean, that San Francisco is a solid team, USF, and they, you know, and Timmy was having an off night, and we saw Chet Holmgren step up. Um, so, you know, I, I, it's a lot. It's really easy when you're watching Gonzaga to, to focus on Drew Timmy because he is so good. But that is just a darn good team all the way around. And, you know, not every game's going to be a complete blowout. You know, the, the previous two games, I think they'd averaged 115 plus points. Um, San Francisco USF is a good, solid team, and they didn't play their best, and they still ended up pulling away to, to win by 15 points. So I'm all on the on the Zags bandwagon. I think mm-hmm. Auburn, yeah. Um, Auburn's going to be really tough. I think Baylor, even though they lost Baylor's a couple games this last week, is going to be really tough. Yeah, LSU um, is going to be Purdue. Purdue is going to be really tough, even though they lost to Indiana this week. Nice to see that rivalry have some life again. And then they won't make the, they will not make March Madness. It was kind of nice to see some signs of life out of University of Washington this year. Oh, after a couple mm-hmm. of last place finishes in the Pac-12, they, uh, you know, they've actually beaten some some teams with. Um, Stanford, I think they broke like broke their three, four game losing. Anyway, they're like tied for fourth in the league right now. I don't think it'll last when they're playing Arizona and UCLA. No, but, but I think everybody nice here is like the, kind of their, zagging the all the way, aren't we? Aren't we so zagging? You're saying they're not dead yet. <laughs> okay. Well, they've already won more games than they did all last the like the last two years put together. So, guys, it's time right. for us to take I'll our t- final take shot. It. By the way, it's a, we've kind of gone a little long today. That's okay. It's been a lot of fun. It's time for our final shot. So, uh, Brent, give us your final shot today. I was going to say it was, uh, uh, shoot, because I was going to quickly look it up. You you always call on me first when I'm not ready. Yeah, I I have that (laughs) gift. Bible says to be ready Uh, in season and out of season, buddy. Uh, Mine's going to Novak Djokovic. I just really feel like he was poorly done by and and it, it's wonderful to see uh, the national support that he's getting from his home country and and you know he has he has he has showed integrity throughout this entire process he has not jumped into politics and you know he's just like this is my personal um, medical decision and and he's obviously far and away the best tennis player in the world right now. And I think it's just unfortunate as coach E pointed out earlier that 
that Australia has decided to play politics with this because it is just atrocious. Okay. And so my final shot goes to him and I wish him well. There you go. Yep. Brent, are you, is it okay to go to you? Yep, I, I, I'm good now. So <laughs> sticking with my little shout out to UW, uh, Will Conroy, who is a UW alum. And uh, last night was his head coaching debut for the Huskies because Mike Hopkins is in COVID protocols and he has his first collegiate win as a head coach. So uh, good job, Will. I like it. Coach E. Uh, my shout out goes to the Seattle Kraken, yes! winners of two, two in, a in a row. row. And they look like they finally have kind of busted out in terms of some, you know, showing some offense and they're playing a little better together. And uh, this weekend, they're going to go for three in a row, the yeah. first time ever. But, you know, it's just, it's nice watching a young program uh, kind of build together and, um, as Michelle said, you know, went there on Monday and watched the game and it was a great atmosphere. And uh, I just, you know, got to give them their props and I'm excited to see how they improve over the season. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to go right after you just because of that. Um, I went last night as well. So second win and I was sitting in the rowdy section, which was really fun. So shout out to the girls in my section. We had a really well, why else would have been rowdy except for the fact that I was there. I was there. Yeah. But there, there were people who met my rowdy and said, I, I will meet your rowdy and raise you a little. And it was glorious, even with a really not nice uh, guy who was addicted to his middle finger uh, Sharks fan that was uh, shouting obscenities at us for cheering on our team in our own home probably a arena. Fan. Yeah, so, uh, you know, Movie. yeah, it was funny. But um, playing off of that, though, my shout out goes to Willie Ori. He's the first black player to to appear in the NHL. He His number was retired just this week uh, from the Bruins. And uh, we talk about diversity. That's a beautiful way to diversity. You know, you play the best. You you compete uh, when you're different, uh, when you have a, a different thought, a different faith, a different look. And how do you make inroads? You do it by being the best you that you can be. Do you have to work harder sometimes? Do you have to overcome adversity? and maybe ignorance absolutely it happens you know for all of those of us who uh, are either minorities on this panel or have faced our own adversity that's what happens but it makes you better and just my shout out is to Willie O'Ree his number was retired and uh, God bless you man Josh so my my shout out uh, maybe something we'll talk about a little bit more later but there's something that I was kind of thinking about this last week or so is, you know, I mentioned how Russell Wilson, sometimes I I love the guy, great, great character guy for the most part, but I really had some trouble with him not taking responsibility for, uh, for things that he didn't do well in games. Right. And so my, my shout out is going to be to former Seahawk, Doug Baldwin, who I feel like the Seahawks are really missing his energy. And as much as we may have criticized him in the past for his, you know, like I need to criticize Russell Wilson, but you know what? Maybe he did keep Russell Wilson accountable. Maybe he is a big part of what, what we had here. And maybe that's something that we can talk about a little more this off season is how important is accountability and how important was Russell Wilson to holding 
Doug Baldwin to holding Russell Wilson accountable. I like that. The Bible says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. When you sharpen iron, sparks fly sometimes, but sometimes that's good in an era where we like everything to be really comfortable. We don't like any challenges. We don't want to feel bad, but sometimes we need those kind of challenges. So it goes back to your worldview and the God story indeed, which we always like to include in my Michelle Live broadcast and in Sports Time Out. These are the brothers of my team. Guys, I love you. Thanks for being with me today. And for you, remember that uh, more to the story is important. Remember that the God story as it gets shoved out is important. Keep it going. Like us, share us, buy the t-shirts, and have a great weekend. Thanks for joining us today. For more fun, go to MyMichelleLive.com.